Ladies and gentlemen, now we present direct from the islands a musical luau. On this special episode of Enchanted Tiki Talk, we're going to geek out for a bit. We're going to discuss the other or dark side of the Disney Company. We also have a very special guest, Kevin from Two Men and the Mouse, joining us. But first, we have a book review for you. It's time for an Enchanted Tiki Talk review. So Keith and I received review copies of uh, The Marvel's Avengers Vault from Thunder Bay Press, written by Peter A. David. And we just want to give you a quick uh, synopsis or review of the, the book for, for you guys. So Keith, what were your initial impressions of the book? The first thing that I noticed was just the overall quality of this book. It's really like heavy. It's bound extremely well. The, the pages are nice and thick. The colors just like jump off the page. I mean, this book is gorgeous. And then you know, once you start to get into it, it just it's even better from there. What did you think about it first of all? Um, you know, like you said, the, the first thing was the the weight of the book and the 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 graphics on on the cover just popped right out at me. I, I just wanted to open up and, and delve deeper into the book, so I did. I was really impressed by um, all the artwork that's in there, you know, from uh, previous comics of uh, the characters themselves and also, you know, like, t- like whatever prototype drawings. I'm not using the right terminology. It's escaping me at the moment, but um, concept art, I think. concept art. Thank you. Um, and that's pretty impressive. You know, I'm a big Captain America fan and I love I love the retro Captain America comics. You know, I would like to collect more of those. I just love the style of it. You know, some of that was in there. Um, along with some of the other ones, and then what really jumped out me out at me was the uh, the collectible inserts that are in there. And first of all, the book is basically the the complete history like of the core um, Avengers. You have Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, and Hulk. It tells you everything that you want to know about the characters, which is really good for people who might have just enjoyed the films and are not completely like, versed in the, in the histories and backstories of all of these characters and stuff. And this book does an amazing uh, a job of telling you the storylines and backstories. It is like split up into characters, and so it's organized well. Inserts are really, really cool. Uh, they've got like his replicas of like original posters and with membership cards, and it's a really well-done book. For the starter fans as well as the seasoned comic book fans as well. Yeah, I definitely think this book is definitely geared more towards um, a new person who's in the the Marvel universe, who's getting into Avengers a little bit more. It's perfect for a younger a kid who's trying to get into comics himself. I think this is a this sets up for great backstory with those. The other thing I like about it is those those pullout collectibles. Those are perfect to put on a wall, frame them, and put them on the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I like about the book is that it it's a it is like a tabletop book. You can put that on any table and people are gonna pick that up just to look at it. I'm sure even non fans will wanna check it out just because it's so colorful. That's true, yeah. It's also good for wives who uh who think that Iron Man is just uh, Robert Downey Junior. So yeah. so <laughs> it's good for them to to, to kinda, you know, get to learn about Tony Stark and it's not just you know, Robert Downey Junior. <laughs> right. The 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 couple of the downsides that I was a little disappointed in was that you didn't have more of a backstory of um, some of the other characters that are featured on the cover of the book because you have like um, Hawkeye, um, Black Widow, and Falcon. Right. 
and I, I just wish really you had a little bit more backstory about them. You, I mean, they're they're brought up throughout the book, but it just like I said, it, like I said, it concentrates on the four major characters of the Avengers. So you're not going to get into the Falcon as much as they will with the Hulk or Captain America. But it's hard to include everyone who at some point was in the Avengers group. I mean, no, that's you know, true. There's, <laughs> there's like a ton of characters who at one point you know was in it. But I do, I think that it's it's a good starting point. People who don't really know about them, and I mean, you know, just from an artwork standpoint, it's amazing. I mean, original concept art, like you said, and promo posters and everything they did. It's just, it's a well done book. The book will be available in March um, via, you know, online like Amazon or, you know, Barnes & Noble or whoever is still available in uh, the brick-and-mortar stores. Uh, price uh, is $34.95. It's by uh, Thunder Bay Press, and it's written by Peter A. David. So uh, please check it out. So this week we're going to spend some time talking Marvel, Star Wars, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Agent Carter, Spider-Man all Star Wars, I mean, all nerdy goodness in the in the Star Wars universe. And we brought on a special guest, uh, Kevin from the Two Men in the Mouse podcast and from the White Dragon podcast network to join us and, and um, nerd out for a little bit here. So, um, hey, Kevin, uh, welcome to um, Enchanted Tiki Talk. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm a big fan of your show. I listen to it all the time. I'm glad to be here. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it, um, and we're we're glad you're able to uh, spend some time with us. We know how busy you are with your your podcast network and all the the podcasts that you do. So this is yeah, uh, we, pretty. We've got ten shows going right now. We've got um, we've got two Disney shows. We've got Two Men in the Mouse. We've got Mouseliness Discussions, um, and then we've got shows like you know, based, like we have a Walking Dead review show. We're debuting a Once Upon a Time review show. We have one that's like general geek media, like Arrow, The Flash, Shield, you know, things like that. And, and a pro wrestling show. So, you know, we're, we like to keep it pretty well-rounded. Cool. Awesome. So so definitely tune in. So why don't you uh, introduce everybody about yourself, tell them about why you love Disney. Um, well, Disney for me started uh, when I was two years old. Actually, my first memory, the first memory that I can vividly recall in my head was a trip, uh, my first trip to Walt Disney World, and I can remember shaking hands with Mickey Mouse. I actually remember it's a tactile memory. I remember the feel of the glove. I remember the point where the stitching comes together and there was like a little knot. And for some reason that just kind of like always stuck with me in my brain. And growing up, um, Disney Walt Disney World especially was just like this place of happiness. And, you know, a lot of good memories in my life kind of center around that place, you know. Just a place I got to go to a lot with my family, a place that we were able to all bond together, busy schedules, sports schedules, uh, for me, like, acting schedules. They all didn't exist when we were there. We were all just together. And then in 2009, I actually proposed to my wife in front of Cinderella Castle. So that just further cemented it in our lives as just such a special, wonderful place. And, I mean, it, it's the place that Sunny Eclipse calls home, so it really can't, you know, <laughs> you can't be sad. And you just recently had an interview with Sonny Eclipse, too, so... Yeah, yeah, Cal David. Uh, really, really cool. I mean, you guys interviewed him as well. He's so, right. you know, really, really cool guy. Uh, we interviewed him uh, this past week, episode 54. Yeah, definitely tune into that. So, do how often do you get to go to Disney World now? Uh, not as often as I'd like, but, I mean, whoever does go as often as they'd like. Um, I try to get there, like, every at least every other year. Um, okay. It doesn't always work out that way, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm tentatively trying to get there for, the, for this year. 
And that's what the Disney podcast is for, for you to get a, a little Disney loving in your life. Exactly. I mean, like, you know, what, what, what my co-host Pete and I, what we always say is, you know, we try to keep the magic alive every day. And I mean, and that's what, you know, like, I, you know, like, like our podcast, your podcast, all the other great Disney podcasts out there are a great way to, like, inject a little bit of that Disney magic into your life on a, a constant. I mean, there's enough out there where you can literally listen to a Disney podcast every day of the week. Yep. Oh, yeah. And, you know, sometimes you just need that to get through your week. Like, you know, <laughs> we do, like, we have... Uh, our listeners dubbed because uh, our episodes drop on Tuesday, so they dubbed it Two Men Tuesday. Right. And then we started Mousselineous Monday, and starting next week we're going to have Once Upon a Wednesday. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> awesome. it's like a little like disc block in the beginning of the week to try to like get you over the hump. We all need that, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Most certainly. Before we go any further, we're going to take uh, a break, and you'll have a message from our sponsor. Johnny, a box came for you. Ah, uh, is it more knitted socks from Grandma? Don't think so. It says Loot Crate on it. What? Oh my god, it's here! Oh my... Whoa, look at this! Wow, can I see that? What? No, get your hands off my exclusive collectible! Hands off, get your own! But how do I... Read the promo, I'm busy! Hmm, for more information on how to start your subscription, log on to www.lootcrate.com slash Tiki Talk, and use the promo code Tiki Talk to get a special discount. Sounds pretty good. It's awesome! And we're back. So we're going to spend some time right now talking about some of the uh, the Marvel's uh, Star Wars comics. You know, recently Marvel, Disney purchased Marvel, Disney purchased uh, Star Wars, and for the longest time, Star Wars comics were not done by Marvel, you know, for a couple of years. And finally, they've come into the Marvel fold uh, just this past January, I believe. Yes. That's right. Yes. Yes. When they came in, of course, for like thirty years. Yeah, it's been been a real long time. I I, I mean, I'm really familiar with you know the the Dark Horse stuff. I mean, I I didn't collect every single run of it, but you know, I was yeah, I'm pretty familiar with that. I've had quite a few of them over the years, but I was really excited once Marvel would take take hold because everything now is part of the Star Wars universe. It's all canon now. So everything else is, you know, thrown away. It's all garbage now. So none of that really exists anymore. So we all have to forget about Dark Horse. It's, you know... Yeah, rub it in, why don't you? (laughs) (laughs) Do you know how much money I spent over the years on Star Wars novels and comic books and video games and audio books and, like, all this stuff that I feel like I've now wasted time on because when Disney bought Star Wars, it was like, oh, by the way, all that stuff doesn't doesn't exist. Right, exactly. (laughs) And, you know, and uh, when you're... uh, a cult when following, gonna... though, now. It's like underground Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. it's Well, because, you know, if you're going to go into, like, what happened after Return of the Jedi in Episode 7, 8, and 9, you can't build that off the backs of books from 20 years ago that nobody ever read. Right. I mean, like, you know, the Admiral Thrawn trilogy. Uh, the Yuz- you guys are, are you guys familiar with this, or am I speaking, like, like gibberish right now? Like, the Yuuzhan Vong War? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, for those of you that the Yuuzhan Vong War, like, I recommend that to your listeners like to such an extent because it's really compelling. Basically, the Yuuzhan Vong were like these aliens that from, were from outside the galaxy that invade, and they're they're not they don't exist in the Force, so like the Jedi can't sense them, right. and like they hate machinery, so all their machines are like organic. It's really really cool, very compelling, and I love that you can almost like the way they're written, like you can almost hear their voices because whenever they say Jedi, they say Jedi. Yeah, kind of like a Watto from. Uh, the first Star Wars movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only man. 
Let's not uh, bring up episode one, please. <laughs> aren't you a Jar Jar fan? Uh, no. episode one. <laughs> I don't hate Jar Jar as much as everybody else. Yeah, I don't I'm hate not, Jar Jar as much. Like I hate yeah, him, I, enjoy, I enjoy the rage that he induces in fanboys all over the world. So like, <laughs> yeah, I like to just sit back and watch like their heads explode. Like when they would do an episode of Clone Wars that was like, they did an episode called Bombad Jedi. It was just nothing yeah. but Jar Jar. And then they, they actually crossed generations um, of like characters that people don't like uh, when they did it. They did like a whole Jar Jar 3PO, like, like two or three parter. Yeah, yeah. like social media just like exploded after those episodes aired. It was hysterical. Oh. And the best is when you listen to Dave Filioni, the the showrunner for Clone Wars. He'd be like, yeah. you know, we did the dark, we did the Night Sisters trilogy, and like we we're all excited. And then all of a sudden, it's like George Lucas would just appear. He'd be like, I want a Jar Jar episode. I <laughs> <laughs> like Jar Jar. It's not bad. It's pretty good. I'm so <laughs> bad for the guy who played him though. Oh, for a med best, yeah, yeah. He's like the most oh. hated uh, Star Wars person ever. Well. The time where my heart went out to him the most was I'm watching uh, uh, Robot Chicken did a really did a couple of really great Star Wars specials and uh, um, I'm listening to the commentary on one of them because I'm a loser like that. Ahmed Best and Billy D Williams are two of the guys that are doing the, the commentary and uh, there's a it's a Jar Jar sketch and Billy D Williams goes what's that thing's name again? And they're like Jar Jar Banks and he goes I hate that thing and you hear Ahmed Best go oh. <laughs> He has no idea that Ahmed Best is Jar Jar. Like Seth Green's got to be like, you know, Ahmed over here is Jar Jar. <laughs> like somebody needs to just, thing. you know, a whisper that you know, in his ear. Yeah. Started recording. Like, <laughs> do know who that is, right? <laughs> Billy D. Williams, you don't have to know who anybody is. Yeah, yeah, sure. He's a cool cat. He just, like Disney Star Wars. Billy D. just did a guest spot on Rebels, the new show. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, not only did he do a guest spot, but Frank Oz came back as Yoda. Oh, that I didn't know. Yeah, they yeah. do a cool. Where like Yoda talks to Kanan and like it's Frank Oz, it's not the expanded universe Yoda anymore. Oh wow, cool. All right, well let's get back on track with some of the comics here. <laughs> All right. The one thing I that I I love is some of the variation covers on the new comics, for, especially for um, the, the Star Wars line, the not the not the Vader line, but the Star Wars line. It's got the the retro action figure comic cover, which is pretty cool. They're pretty hard to find. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Those are really, really cool. I think Pete, I think my, my co-host Pete, he owns a comic book store. It's where we record. And so I always get to see that kind of stuff. But they did kind of go overboard uh, with those variants. There was like, what, like a hundred and some like variants for that first issue. It was crazy. I know there's a lot. I don't know how many, but it's, I know it's over 20 of that I know. I don't know how many exactly. Yeah. I mean, Marvel's been doing that with a lot of the Disney ones, though. Like they, they did a figment variant as well. Right, yeah. Figment book. Which I never saw. I never saw a single variant cover of Figment. There, there was one for the first issue. I know this because um, in order to, for a store to get a variant cover, they had to order like it was some obscene amount of books for like fifty or seventy-five copies of this book. Oh, really? And yeah, and that's why we we did a um, we did a giveaway where we we gave away free copies of Figment because Pete wanted the variant cover, so he just he ordered like a hundred <laughs> oh, wow. copies of the first issue of Figment, and he was like, I have no idea what I'm going to do with all these Figment copies. <laughs> that has the perks of owning a comic book store. <laughs> There's so many perks to owning a comic book store. He lives the life. That's awesome. The storyline for the Star Wars is really it's good, and the artwork and stuff is really well done. Plus, it's nice to have those core characters in there too to kind of like, to bring the newer fans you know to the series yeah the one thing that i wish they didn't do is i wish like they weren't throwing out the vader comic right away i wish they would have waited like mm -hmm. six months yeah that seems a little quick vader comic yeah, dropped this month right yeah it's just like and there's a leia comic book too coming out in 
that. It's March sometime. March. Yeah. yeah. It's like I, I figured they would have spread them out a little bit. I think I think what's going to happen is you're going to have um, just too much Star Wars right before the movie comes out, and people are going to start getting sick of it. I don't know if that's ever going to happen. <laughs> There's never <laughs> too much Star Wars, but well, yeah, yeah, you can, you can get too much. You can get too much Star Trek. You could never have too much Star Wars. <laughs> that's right. But I, like when they first announced like the block they're coming out with the Star Wars book, the Vader book, the Leia book, um, I'm glaringly missing here is a Boba Fett book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. a little surprised. I, that. I'm that nerd, guys. Like I'm I'm that nerd that is obsessed with Boba Fett. So just to warn you. Well, I do know somebody that doesn't like Boba Fett at all. We he was a guest on our show a couple weeks ago, Jordan Gasly. I mean, <laughs> Jordan <laughs> Duncan, Jordan Gasly. He's Jordan Gasly on Twitter, and yeah. he's not uh, a Boba Fett fan, so. Really? Oh, I've never yeah. heard of anyone not liking Boba Fett before. He's the only one. Yeah. Well, I mean, we the fans made Boba Fett something more than he actually was. Right. Because he, he was, you know, a one-dimensional character in two movies that had maybe five lines between the two movies. And then is unceremoniously dumped into the Sarlacc pit. Right. The Vader book, it's a cool concept to see it from like Vader's point of view, which I think is why they took those books and ran them like, so like, near each other, is is that you can read the Star Wars book and see it from you know one side, and then you can read the, the Vader book and see it from the dark side, and it's kind of the same story, but it's in, in two views like that. That's which is true. People love the Sith. I mean, more so, I think, than the Jedi lately, people love the Sith. You look at games like... You know, the Force Unleashed, where you play as Darth Vader's apprentice, and you're just going through, and you're just messing everything up with Force Lightning and crazy Force powers. People right. really enjoy the Sith. And I, there's, I always love, in a post-Episode 3 world, now that we know the full story, and we know about Padme, and we know about Tatooine, and we know about all this stuff in his past, it's cool to take a little trip inside of Vader's mind. And if you're ever, if you guys like that, you should look up this, it's a novel by, I think it's James Luceno. I mean, it doesn't count anymore, because nothing's canon anymore. <laughs> but... <laughs> It's called Dark Lord, The Rise of Darth Vader. It takes place immediately after Episode 3. Oh, interesting. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's Vader hunting down like a group of rogue Jedi that escaped Order 66. And it's really, really, it's a really cool look inside of Vader's mind. It goes into like his relationship with the Emperor and how it's just like, well, you know, at one point in time, I could have overthrown him but now I'm so much less and was this his plan all along and it's like it's really cool like to see what goes on in his mind and how he's like cursing Obi-Wan and Padme for not listening to him it, it's really really interesting oh wow I might have to check that out yeah well you know the one thing about the Vader comic that I wish in a variant cover came out was like if you opened up the cover and you hear <sighs> <laughs> you know how popular that comic would have been. And then when you I get would, to the then when you get to the last page, maybe it's like injured Vader, where it's like, <laughs> <laughs> like the end of Return of the Jedi. My cat yep. just looked at me. I was crazy. I mean, I would, I would, I would just sit there all day long, just opening it up to listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to say that I got a birthday card, like not yeah. as a kid. You know, I'm talking about like within the last five years, yeah, where you fun, yeah. where you opened it up and it was Vader breathing, and I just opened it up all the time. Yeah. Yeah, there was, I got a birthday card, too. Yeah. It had ruined the, uh, the comic book, though, because you'd have that dent in the in the cover from the beaker box or whatever True. is in there. But It's still a good idea, though. Just don't, don't ruin it. All right, Sean, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested to see what time period the Leia book takes place in. The story, that they haven't promoted or teased it like at all, so that you really aren't sure like, what the storyline or timeline or... Anything of that book will be... Yeah, I wonder if she's going to talk about how she kissed her brother in the comics. 
<laughs> it's just the entire book is lay on a psychiatrist's couch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and how does that make you feel? <laughs> the title of it is Confused, the Princess Leia story. <laughs> yeah. It does say that it takes place the same time frame with the Star Wars series. Okay, so it's between uh, between four and five then. I think I read though that it focuses more um, with her uh, like struggle find a home and find a place that she calls home now. Alderaan's gone. Isn't it the Millennium Falcon? Isn't that good enough? That's no. interesting. I think I, I, I've always wanted to delve a little bit more into Leia and like how she felt because you know, her planet was destroyed. Everyone she's ever known and loved, her parents, her home, her friends, her her distant relatives, her enemies—they were all blown up in one big fiery explosion. And right. she 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 gets set for like a second, and then it's never mentioned again. Right. Well, that's because she had other stuff to do. <laughs> well, yeah, she had. <laughs> she had to kiss her brother. Oh, exactly. You get that's over the incest. <laughs> You've got those kind of issues running through your mind. I don't think that losing your losing your home planet matters very much. Right. I'm starting uh, to wonder about Sean somewhat because he keeps on like obsessing over that. Well, well you yeah, know, I, I, was I was just shocked. jealous. <laughs> I was jealous. <laughs> it's something where, like, in Return of the Jedi, where all of a sudden it's just like Leia is my sister. Like, you feel like he should be like Leia is my sister. Oh right. my gosh! Like, yeah, there should yeah. be that bit of like revulsion. Yeah, he just, like, conveniently forgot about it. Like a slow-mo, like, like, flashback or something that <laughs> should have happened as soon as he figured it out. I feel like when George wrote those movies, he he just didn't have, like, the long-term plan in his mind. Yeah, I don't think so. Like, he didn't know in episode four that they were brother and sister. There was no way. I don't think he knew in episode five that they were brother and sister. I think that was just, like, uh, all of a sudden, you know what? They're brother and sister. Why not? <laughs> yeah. It yeah, exactly. It works. It works because I say that it works. <laughs> it sounds like Doctor yes. Evil too. It's almost like a like a Doctor Evil slash George Lucas voice. <laughs> All my voices are very exaggerated um, versions of people. <laughs> All right, so um, let's take a step and, and talk about some of the uh, the Disney comics that are that were out or you're still currently available. Lot like Seekers of the Weird, uh, Figment, and uh, the one that's coming out I think in June or July, the Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a, such an awesome time that we live in where we can take classic attractions and characters from the parks and turn them into comic books now that Disney owns Marvel like this. Yeah, I was really impressed with the the Figment comic, you know, from Jim Zub, which you know, we had him on the show um, last year. I was in, really impressed with the storyline coming from, I, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know how good the story was going to be. I had no idea where it was going or where it ended, and I think that from where it started to where it ended, it, you know, it, it gives some, um, you know, backstory on the Figment character, whether, you know, hardcore Figment fans are going to want to accept it or not is one thing, but it, it's great to have some sort of backstory to a character that you know from an attraction, you know, that's the amazing thing. It's just, it's just an attraction. They based a comic, you know, they took it and made a comic book at it. That's pretty impressive. Absolutely. And you know what? Figment, we rated Figment, we did our top 10 park specific characters, Figment and Dreamfinder were number one. And it was really cool to see, A, the Dreamfinder being in the spotlight again. Um, you know, B, seeing Figment, um, you know, in a, in a way that, like, I'm reading this and I'm like, this is a Figment movie. This is definitely a Figment movie. Like, this could totally be an animated film. Or even oh, yeah. a live action and mixed with CGI film. And the right. best part about the Figment book, guys, is that there was no creepy singing moon in the sky. Yes. <laughs> 
What's cool, though, is it does, it kind of, like, it brings the interest back, like, in attractions that people pass by. I don't, because I am obsessed with Figment, but it's always cool to get the origin stories of these characters. And what was cool is, is that the writers and comic book teams actually did, they got input, like, from, like, Disney and the Imagineers, so it feels right as a fan when you're reading them. Definitely. They're very true to the character, I found. I, I found. Like, I could hear Figment's voice in, in my head as I, you know, it wasn't so much like the, like, the Dreamfinder was a very much different, like, Johnny Depp-esque Dreamfinder, and not just going, yeah. like, I'm the Dreamfinder. Like, it was more of, you know, like, <laughs> it was, like, more of, like, a young, dashing, heroic Dreamfinder that has become my new cosplay obsession. Oh, really? Yeah, if I go to D23, I have my cosplays all set, all, all figured out already. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, it's gonna be. It'd be. It would be Steampunk Dreamfinder once one day if I can finagle a Figment puppet and uh, Sunny Eclipse. Well, um, you can always just uh, buy a, a plush Figment and just make him into turn him into a puppet. You could do that's that. That's true. That's true. That wouldn't be too hard. No, not not terribly. But the the Big Thunder Mountain Railroad is some, another one I'm looking forward to as well. Because I'm, I'm curious to see if they're going to stick with the, the story, you know, if they're going to stick with the uh, the Walt Disney World version, or are they going to go to, like, the, the Paris version? You know, I'm curious to see which angle they're going to take with it. I, I agree. Like, you know, we, we already have a, um, like, a, like a storyline in place, um, you know, with the town of Tumbleweed and whatnot, but I'm interested to see if they go with that or if they take a different approach for it. All I want is I want to hear somebody call it the wildest ride in the wilderness. And <laughs> one I want, of the greatest I, lines. Yep, I want a sh- I want a panel of the the prospector in the inner tube, floating in the water, mm-hmm. and um, I would love to see some Thunder Mesa um, like nods, like some Easter eggs in there, like maybe Hoot Gibson or something like that. Like I don't know, right. you, you guys are familiar with the Thunder Mesa concept, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like like I would love to see some kind of nod to that in here. It starts in March. It says. Um, oh, okay. It's soon. I read that it'll tell the story of how the mine became haunted, uh, which is cool. Um, so that's the Paris version, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely the Paris version. So it, it should be interesting, um, which is weird because they took the, the Paris route um, when I think the fans would relate more if they centered it off of the parks in the States more. But Well, it's more we'll of a see. compelling story this way, though. I agree. I right. think the haunted, the haunted mind story is is more of a, a more of a compelling story to read in a comic book than just right. you know just the town tumbleweed. Right, and then they could bring that forward and, and discuss the you know the next series comics could be the, the haunted mansion. Um, or I forget the name of the family in the haunted yeah. mansion. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they could bring that all together too. So that could be interesting as well. I would love to see a haunted mansion comic book. I mean, I would love to see haunted mansion anything. Um, there's been rumors of like a, like TV like a TV movie. There's been rumors that Benicio del Toro is making another like a reboot of a Haunted Mansion film. Right. Um, yeah, this been talked for a while. Yeah, yeah. it's Haunted Mansion. I mean, I've said it on my show many times. I, I don't know if you guys agree, but I think Haunted Mansion is the perfect Disney attraction. Yes, agreed. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Without a <laughs> doubt, if it's I'm done a, the right way. Yeah, and I'm way big on interactive queue lines. So that queue line for Haunted Mansion is just like, there's so many, like, like, I irritate my wife every time we're in line for it because I'm just like, oh, and by the way, this, this tombstone means this and that tombstone. And she's like, I know, you went through this the last time we were in line. <laughs> like two hours ago. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's take a step and talk about some of the, the resurgence of, uh, of Marvel on TV, like the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and, and Agent Carter. Let's take a look at uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. first. I'm going to have the unpopular opinion here <laughs> about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, I don't like it. Uh, 
It's uh, well, it's not that I don't like it. I, th- I don't think I've given it enough of a chance. In the beginning, I really didn't like it. Oh, in the beginning, yeah. I, I didn't want. It started I off do it. rough. Yeah, yeah, it I got, was, yeah, rough. it got much, much better. It rallied after Captain America: Winter Soldier. Right, when the whole exactly. Hydra thing went down, it totally rallied. And I like what they're doing with the Inhumans. You know, like, I, I, the thing that S.H.I.E.L.D. has got going for it is its connection to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. Because that's something that DC, like, you know, DC's TV right now is top-notch. Like, Flash, Arrow, Gotham, they're phenomenal television shows. And I yeah. really feel like they're, the, they're, like, the best out there in TV right now. Oh, I agree. They're, you know, I don't watch Gotham, but, you know, Flash and Arrow, I think, is definitely a better show than Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., in my opinion. I mean, we but, saw Gorilla Grodd on Flash. Come on. Uh, no, I haven't gotten, I haven't gotten that far yet. Oops, spoiler alert. Um, but, yeah, I, I was hoping he, I was hoping he was going to make an appearance. We, we haven't seen anything major yet. It's just like okay. glimpses. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, like, but Warner Brothers as a studio, I think, could never really wrap its head around the concept of a shared universe, like, from TV to movies. Like, everybody was wondering if Grant Gustin was going to be the Flash in the Justice League, and then it turned out he's not going to be. Because I can just hear the Warner Brothers executives being like, well, TV's TV, movies are movies. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, but they don't see what Marvel's doing, and Marvel's system is working for them. And that's the one thing that worries me about the whole uh, DC universe, is that it, it, in some ways it's like they're not taking it seriously. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? The problem was, I mean, Chris Nolan um, got the reins to the Batman uh, franchise, and while his movies, while while his first two movies were great and his last one was not, um, he was like, "Well, I think this is a Batman that exists in a world without superheroes," and we're all just like, "What? No, that's not what yeah. we want." Right? Have you seen like, the comics? <laughs> like, and that's it's it's what nobody wanted from Batman. It's like and and just. The movie, the movies were very earnest, very dark, and and you know to the point like Heath Ledger was great, Liam Neeson was great, but then when you got to the point of I'm going to read to you now while wearing a mask, and <laughs> no one can understand the word that I'm saying. Like that's kind of that's kind of stuff you don't get from Marvel. Marvel Marvel's films are like a comic book brought to life. There's yeah. joy, there's emotion, there's there there's there's some happiness, plus there's some heavy stuff. They don't always have to focus on a romance. They're you know, they're not really going into origin stories as much anymore. It's it you know, Marvel understands what the viewer wants. I'm just so sick and tired of um DC's dark universe with everything. I'm sick and tired of it already. You know, it started in the eighties, okay, that was, you know, fine and dandy, but it just hasn't stopped. And I'm afraid that's just, that's what's gonna happen with um you know, the Justice League. I, I just hope that they don't stick with that dark, dingy universe of Batman. I'm sick of that. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I, I am... You can't say a bad word about Man of Steel to me because I've loved Man of Steel. I'm a Superman fanatic. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, it but, you know, not everybody can be Batman. And, and But what those Nolan movies did was, while they were, you know, critically acclaimed and they made a, a ton of money, they were... They, they took Batman... Like, Batman's not for kids anymore. No, he's not. Yeah. Like, in, he's like the second highest grossing superhero in the world, but Spider-Man has got, and we'll get into that, but like Spider-Man has got him beat by so much money because Spider-Man is for kids. Yep. As far as TV, DC, it is catching up. I mean, Gotham is just an amazing show. But the Marvel side still has the strength of the films with it, um, which just like, it pushes it over, and everybody you know wants more. Also, too, is it like fills in the spaces between the films, and so always have something to watch that's new. 
Absolutely. Like, I, I think that that's where the strength of S.H.I.E.L.D. definitely comes in, because after Captain America Winter Soldier, like, it changed the face of of the Marvel Cinematic Universe with, spoiler alert, that Hydra was been has been in control of S.H.I.E.L.D. since, you know, the, the, the inception of it. So now, instead of being like, I wonder how this is going to affect the rest of the Marvel Universe, we're just going to have to wait until, you know, Avengers Age of Ultron to find out. You already know, because you see it every right. week on S.H.I.E.L.D. You see the fallout of Hydra, and you see how it's affecting the world as we know it. I mean, we don't know how it's affecting our heroes yet, but we see how it's affecting Coulson and his team. It is, and I think without like Coulson being a part like of the Shield show, it just wouldn't have worked out at all. That was a bridge that allowed you to continue the storylines. Yeah, well, it was something that you could relate to. Exactly. Well, yeah. And, and I think also like when, when the show was originally, I think one of the things that turned me off from the show initially was it wasn't like Coulson was kind of just like the guiding force. He wasn't really the main focus of the show, and it was like, hey, look at these great characters we have. It's Sky and Agent Ward, and everybody was like, no, uh, uh-uh, yeah. we don't like them. We don't like them. We like Coulson and we like Agent May, who is Mulan. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love that Agent May is the voice of Mulan. I get such a kick out of it. And for those of you that don't know that, yes, Agent May is the voice of Mulan. But I, I mean, like the, people were like, no, these are our, these are our two. We, they're the ones we're like, and, and good on the show for understanding that and switching gears to it. I think Fitzsimmons are also like they're they're great. I love them. So uh, taking the next step, let's talk about some um, like Agent Carter and some of the the female characters that um, are starting to come alive and becoming more and more popular especially with um you know some of the more women getting into comics or at least the the movies at least so it's great to see that agent carter has got her own show granted it's only like what eight episodes but at least it's a start you know agent carter is proof positive of like this new thing that tv's doing that i'm a big fan of and that's like when a show goes on break you put in a miniseries to keep people to keep right. putting out new content to keep people coming back to your network, which I love. Like they did it with Agent Carter with Shield, and they did it with um, Galavant with Once Upon a Time, which Galavant yeah. was awesome. Galavant um, was awesome. That's yeah, I, love I think Agent Carter is just like I'm not, and I, I'm not fully caught up on Agent Carter yet, but I love it. It's a breath of fresh air. She does such a Haley Atwell does such a great job with this character to the point where in that first episode where she showed up in the blonde wig doing the American accent I didn't realize it was her until like three minutes into the scene I turned to my wife and I'm like wait a minute is that Agent Carter and she's like yeah it's Agent Carter and I'm like wow I did not get that yeah it's a good series I enjoy it I don't think it's the I don't think it's like the upper echelons of, of comic book TV shows, but it's really good. It's entertaining, and she's she is a, a strong female lead, which is great, and that's what you need to see more of. It's fun, and it, it, it's a really fun show, and I think it also, like, and, and not that our superhero shows need to be preachy, but, like, I think it gives us a really good uh, taste of what it was like for women in the late 40s when all the men came home. Even, even super spies were suddenly, you know, put out of work. Yeah. Now, if Black Widow could just get her own show next year, another, a miniseries <laughs> like that, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. I think Black Widow can can hold down her own movie at this point. Oh, I think so. Yeah, and yeah, that's one thing I'm looking uh, looking forward to is is Captain Marvel in I think 2018 when that comes out. Yes. that's gonna be that's gonna be huge. Yeah, and you know the thing with um, the thing with the female characters and I like the world is ready for strong female heroes. I think because you know you look at they're doing Captain Marvel, you're getting a Wonder Woman film, um, and then you look at shows like um, Game of Thrones where the female characters are the strongest characters on the show, right. bar none. Um, you look at I don't know if you guys watch uh, on Stars is a show called Black Sails. The the women no. the female yeah. female characters yeah. on that show. They are yeah. unbelievably strong and awesome. And I mean, even in even in things like the uh, the WWE right now, there's a um, 
there's a movement on Twitter right now called uh, hashtag Give Divas a Chance because like like they they want the divas to have people want the divas the female wrestlers to have more more airtime because people are ready for women who kick butt. Well, and it's evident like Ronda Rousey and yeah, she's a, she's a beast. UFC and I mean, but I mean, like Sean and I saw it like firsthand too at like, Comic Con. I mean, there were a ton of like, women and girls there who were fans and didn't like, just get like, dragged there and just to like, walk around all day. I mean, it's a big like fandom with a marketplace that I think the the companies are finally like seeing that and I know it from with my wife she has like slowly been turned into a fan of the comic book movies and the films but but she is like a humongous fan of Agent Carter I mean she watches it faithfully and she's it's amazing to see that like you know from her like standpoint it's just like starting now but gonna be huge like Sean said with you know Captain Marvel and stuff that's on you know the the way it's just it's cool to see that with the fans at least yeah definitely which comic con did you guys go to New York oh I was there yeah uh-huh. I know yeah we saw you were waving to you trying to talk to you and you just said uh, I'm not talking to the Tiki guys please tell me that didn't actually happen no it didn't happen. <laughs> okay <laughs> Um, do you guys? Because uh, do you guys go as press? Yes. Yeah, yeah we went as press. Yeah. So do, so did we. So um, like my wife cosplayed a different character each day of Comic Con. Like that's how big fandom is getting now. Like she was um, like one day she she didn't do a costume, but one day she was uh, Daenerys Targaryen from Game of Thrones. Another day she did a fem- she made a female Assassin's Creed costume, and then the last wow. day she was a female version of Ash Ketchum from Pokemon. Oh wow! Nice. Yeah. So. And but and then like as far as the strong like Disney is all about the strong women right now. I mean the princesses in their own right. I mean starting with Belle, the princesses have been very like very strong characters. Look at Belle, you look at Merida, um, but then you look at you know Frozen Fever, Anna and Elsa are two of the strongest female characters you're going to find around. Right. And I mean and I think that's why why girls are flocking to Frozen the way they are is you have these very strong centralized female characters that are the heroes of their films. And, and I applaud it. It's wonderful. All right. So the last couple of topics that we're going to talk about here is um, two. The two big ones here is um, number one is is Spider Man coming into the Marvel Cinematic Universe now. Yes. Which sort I. Of. <laughs> well, <clears throat> yeah, sort of. But I, I mean, I was a I was a, a Spider Man fan. I remember watching the cartoon. I was a, a, a youngling. Which uh, you know, I just uh, the Amazing Spider Man. This was from Spider-Man the Spider Man and his Amazing Friends, or uh, no, no, the. Uh, I don't remember which one it is. Um, it was just him by himself. Yeah, just him by himself. Yeah. Yeah, my my Spider Man was the '90s Spider Man cartoon on Fox. Yeah, see, I didn't see that. Yeah. Yeah, that that, that was that was my Spider Man show. I love it. I actually was just watching it the other day because it's on Hulu now. So like when Spider Man came out in I think it was '99, right? The movies came out in '99. I wasn't a fan. I didn't like it at all. Number one, I don't. I'm not a fan of Kirsten Dunst. I thought she was a, a terrible oh, she's choice. The worst. Uh, she just ruined it for me. I on Watchtower, a Geek Watchtower, one of our shows. I recently sit, was talking about romantic interest in superhero movies. I said Kirsten Dunst is the worst of the worst. She is, yeah. She just turned me off. I was just, I can't buy it. I just don't. Yeah. No, just it, it doesn't work for me. I've often said about that first Sam, uh, Sam Raimi Spider-Man film, first Tobey Maguire film from back in the late '90s. When it came out, I loved it because I was in high school and you know I, we weren't really like accustomed to Superman movies. In a post Iron Man world, uh, that movie—flame me all you want for this, folks—but that movie does not hold up. 
at no, all. I don't think that's... It doesn't. No. It is. It is the equivalent of of Adam West Batman at this point. Which I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. I love Adam West Batman, but like you know, when when like uh, you know, deliver us, finish it, finish it from evil. <laughs> like I watch that now, and I'm like, really? Or like when he when he busts up the glider and we'll meet again, Spider Man. I'm like, this is like a character. <laughs> this is like Robin sent down the bat shark repellent. Like that's my Adam West. It's bad, but. <laughs> There, there are some moments in those movies that are great, and then like the raindrops keep falling on my head. All right, I get it. You're happy for once. Or, and I absolutely, I absolutely hated the Green Goblin. I could not take him seriously in that costume. He was scarier without the mask. Yeah, yeah he was. was. The one scene but, I liked but, with him, still holds up to this day, is the one where he's talking to himself in the mirror. Do yes. what you want. Say what you can't. And I like, yeah. I like that one. Uh-huh. Yeah, I agree. But the reboot one series... It was excellent that they did Amazing Spider-Man's was well done and now we're going to get like a reboot of that. <laughs> well, hopefully it's not another origin story because we don't need it another origin story. There's no way it'll be an origin story. There's no way. Mar- I mean, Marvel Studios has actually gone ahead and said that after Ant-Man, there are no more origin stories coming out. Yeah, until 2026. Yeah, Doc Strange is going to, he's already going to be the Sorcerer Supreme. Maybe we'll get some flashbacks like like what they did with Man of Steel, where it's like you know his origin. We're gonna right. show you a couple flashbacks, but this is not an origin story. Right, that's fine. Um, yeah. I need to watch a third Uncle Ben die for the third time in fifteen <laughs> years. Like, it just doesn't need to happen. Oh, the ama- the Amazing Spider Man. I feel like the first one was great, and then the second one they just tried to do a little too much with too little. Yeah, well, they're trying to throw every other villain into it. Yeah, and then right. like you know, it's not the Goblin. Harry starts as the Goblin. Like no, no, you can't do that. Right. That that's like that's like turning that's like like turning Chief O'Hara into the Joker. Like you can't you can't mess with the or you know like what Marvel did with with the Mandarin. Like you can't right. take your hero's greatest foe and change him to that extent. Yeah, true. I do think Spider-Man being part of the Avengers now will bring ton of like, new fans over too. That that would. I think that like waiting for you know that one iconic superhero to follow again. Not saying that you know Thor and Iron Man and them are not, but like Spider Man's on a whole other plane of recognition. Yeah, well, Spider Man's Marvel's greatest superhero. Right. Sp- Spider Man is. We actually on Bat Squad Radio we did a we recently read an article about this on the air where Spider Man is actually the highest grossing superhero of all time. He's a oh, really? four yeah it's a four billion dollar a year franchise. Wow. Wow. The closest superhero, the the, clo- the one that comes closest to him is Batman, which is one point eight billion. Really? Yeah. No, Spider Man is the Spider Man's number one by over by by over a billion dollars. Well, Spider Man is probably oh, one of the. Dollars. He's the most. Pro- Spider Man is probably the most relatable superhero there is. When done correctly, yes. Yes. Yeah. Because you know, like, like he's. What would any of us do if we had those kind of like cool powers and you know we can literally run circles around our enemies and flip over their heads? We'd we'd wisecrack at them, you know. And Spider-Man, yes, he's got a lot of angst, and it's but I find it's better when they don't like the angst is always there, but not like in Spider-Man Three when you have to dance and cry at the same time. I'm talking like like 
he has fun with it. And that's what I like about the Flash television show is it's not like these powers are my curse. It's just like, no, I have I have superpowers and it's cool and I use them for good. The humor is always important to break up these like stories of angst and heartbreak and torturous like histories and stuff. And so the you always want that bit of humor to just to break it up a little bit. Yeah, that's why Hulk works so well in the Avengers. You know, Hulk as a um, as not as a major character works much better. It was puny God. Like that was that was phenomenal when he just thrashes <laughs> Loki. Um, yeah. The one, the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon show makes me laugh out loud. It's really really funny. Um, yeah, but the Ultimate Spider-Man comic book. If you guys, if you can ever find like the first run, like the first couple like arcs. Of it, it's really, really, really funny. Like Brian Michael Bendis does a lot of really funny stuff with him. Like he, he, there's the arc with the kingpin, and the kingpin like says something to him like when they're fighting, and he's just like, I don't understand why you keep coming after me. What, what, what do you want? What, what do you have to say to me? And he's just like, you know, I'm glad you asked because there's a lot of things I have to say to you. And he goes into his backpack and he pulls out some sheets of paper and he clears his throat and he goes, <clears throat> You are so fat. When you cut yourself shaving, marshmallow goo comes out. <laughs> You are, you are, and then he goes, what, nothing? No? Huh? Okay. You are so fat that when you get on the scale, it says one at a time. Really? Oh. Nothing? And, like, he just keeps doing it until Kingpin, like, freaks out. It's really, really funny. Oh, that's funny. That's yeah. awesome. All right, so uh, the last topic here that we're going to talk about, we're going to bring it home, and we're going to go uh, talk the Disney parks. And in that respect, it's going to be talking about uh, bringing Star Wars and Marvel into the theme parks. I mean, it's a no. I mean, it's a no-brainer. But unfortunately, as far as Marvel is concerned, um, that's going to be a West Coast thing or a Europe thing or an Asia thing because you can't do it in Florida. Well, you with certain characters, you can. You just can't go with the the main core characters. But you mean like what? What are they going to give you a, a Hawkeye ride? Like you know, like if you can't do Cap, you can't do Spider Man, you can't do Hulk, you can't do Iron Man or Wolverine. There's really not a sense of doing Marvel in Walt Disney World at that point. I, I think. don't. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think with the the next Guardians of the Galaxy movie come out, that's I think true. the a great thing to do would be to turn the the rock and roller coaster to a Guardians of the Galaxy attraction. Easy. That would, you know, uh, with the yeah. the great music that they they had in the in the first film, and I'm sure the second the next film that's going to have the music is going to be just as good. Easily could throw that into into there. Would it be, you know, it wouldn't have to be a huge expense to do it, and I think it would work well. I'm not sure what the the Disney Universal or, or the Marvel Universal deal is as far as the theme parks go. Thought I heard somebody tell me that like they have control of all of Marvel's characters as far as theme park rights go, um, but I don't believe that's in perpetuity. Like I think after like maybe thirty years or something like that, that'll run out. But I, I could see Disneyland doing a Marvel World. Yeah, they certainly could. I think they're probably just going to wait for some more of the um, the next phase to finish, maybe before you'll start mm-hmm. seeing that. That's what I would think. Yeah, and, and I think more so than than even Marvel that Star Wars is going to have a major place in Florida. Well, yeah, Star Wars needs to. Star Wars needs, if not its own theme park, it definitely needs, you know, a giant I, land based on it. We we did a we did a segment on Two Into the Mouse recently where we we it was called Imagineer for a Day, where we Pete and I each kind of designed like what we would like to see change in Hollywood Studios as far as Star Wars goes because it seems like you know Magic Kingdom just got New Fantasyland, uh, Animal Kingdom is getting um, you know Avatar Land. I think Hollywood Studios is next. They've already started with the demolition of the Sorcerer Hat, which, by the way, to, as of today, Sorcerer Hat's completely gone. Oh, is it? Um, oh, wow. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, um, but the, you look what they're doing. They're closing down American Idol Experience. There's heavy rumors that they're going to close down Indiana Jones. Um, the, the the Lights, Motors, Action stunt show, I mean, you, you got to assume that's on its way out. Same thing with the Backlot Tour. And you have this whole section of the park that you can then turn into a Star Wars land. 
And we did a whole thing on like, you know, what would you like to see? I was like, I, I said, I would love to see some kind of pod race attraction. I mean, a restaurant is a must. The restaurant's a no brainer. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that would be, that would be impossible to get. You know yeah, that. in in a in a world where Hollywood Studios really doesn't have a lot of A plus dining, I think that a Star Wars themed restaurant would just put it so far over the top. Like I think a Star Wars cantina needs to go in, and I don't think it should be a sit down restaurant. I literally think it just should, should be a quick service restaurant. Yes, and I think you need to do an audio animatronic cantina band a la Sunny oh, Eclipse you, in there. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying put that Sunny Eclipse in there. I would, no, I know. I, I, I would. Right. I wouldn't argue that, but. Uh, I, I would say like you need an audio animatronic band in there, like like, like the Cantina band. But I think you yeah. also need like a sit down character meal as well. Like maybe not the Cantina for that, but something something that's brunch with good. Boba Fett. The, yeah, the, they're already doing that. That's true. Yeah, that's I, I, it's very expensive. It's a little bit out of my price range, but it's, I know it's, it's a two credit uh, it's a two credit meal, which means I'll never do it. I, I'm a big dining plan person, and um, I, I won't do two credits. I I just won't do it. I think, though, that the fans have kind of woken up about their desire for a Star Wars land. Price tickets that keeps on increasing and stuff, I think that the fans will start to insist that they fix these parks up somewhat. And it's like, a Star Wars land would be huge. I mean, that would save that whole park. Of course I agree. Yeah, I agree. Tom Staggs um, said that you're going to hear something soon, which I took to mean either... D23 in August, or Star Wars Celebration, uh, which I believe is the beginning of this, like late May, early June, something like that. Yeah, I, I'm I pretty can, sure you're going to hear it soon. I can already see them unveiling like the big model, like you know, like the different new Fantasyland. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, like, as far as attractions go, I mean, like, what do you guys, like, what do you, what would you want to see, like, as far as attractions? I just want to walk through a Millennium Falcon or Death Star. Yes. I, there needs to be some kind of trench run attraction. Oh, God, yeah. Well, the the Death Star would probably be too much like Spaceship Earth. I don't ever think that that they would do that. But it's true. Uh, true. Well, I mean, you could have it. It could be indoor. I mean, even if it was a restaurant or something along those lines. I mean, that would be pretty crazy. The persistent rumor that I'm hearing is that you're going to take that whole left-hand side of the park, and the bottom left-hand quadrant is going to become Star Wars Land, and the top left-hand quadrant will be some kind of expanded Pixar place. Yeah, that's what I've been hearing. Yeah, which I don't have a problem with either. I love Pixar. I love Pixar oh, films. So, me too. And if you can get an, like an Incredibles like 3D ride, I'll have the Spider-Man yeah. ride in Soul. Yeah. Like that would be the ultimate for me because I'm big. Or like a Monsters Inc. 3D attraction where you like go through all the doors and stuff. Oh yeah, that would be. I would. That would probably be one of my top favorite rides if they did that. I mean, that whole section of the park would. I would never leave it. Star Wars and as long as they don't touch Muppet Vision, I'm totally cool with this. I think it needs like updated though. If they could update it somehow, uh, I, I I would never I would never even touch it. I would ne- like, really? if they, if they if, yeah if they try to touch one brick on Muppet Vision, I will lash myself <laughs> to the front of the building <laughs> and be like, you got to go through me first, Disney, because you know be still my Muppet heart. That will not happen. <laughs> All right, Kevin, um, we're gonna wrap this up. But um, awesome. everybody everybody that comes on the show we have them answer the same five questions no matter who they are it's called the Tiki Lightning Round so the first okay. question is uh, your favorite snack favorite Disney snack uh, Dole Whip Hand favorite attraction favorite attraction Haunted Mansion favorite character Donald Duck favorite movie uh, wow um, I'm going to say The Incredibles and then I'm going to regret it later uh, your favorite Disney Park memory proposing to my wife in front of Cinderella Castle All right, cool you better uh, say that 
He's sitting right next to us. She's sitting right next to him. So uh, thank you for coming on. Uh, we appreciate it. We had a good time. Tell our listeners where they can find you. You can find all of the shows for the White Dragon Podcast Network at whitedragonpodcastnetwork.com. Uh, we have two men in the mouse, miscellaneous discussions uh, coming next week uh, on Wednesday, once a pot of time. That's a little play on words. Uh, Geek Watchtower, you've got Ring Ropes Radio, you've got uh, Walker Talkers, The Groom Pod, Actively Distracted Dialogue, and a bunch more. Uh, they can all be found along with blogs and bios on all of our hosts at whitedragonpodcastnetwork.com. Cool. Thanks again, Kevin, and uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. Everybody! Face the door, and the trick is, we're gonna make you all disappear! So Keith and I received advanced copies of, um, um, God. So Stephen, Steve. <laughs> I've been replaced already, and I haven't even said a word this episode. Oh, boy. <laughs>